Thanks for taking the time to check out this episode of Desert Island Goals. Video links to all the goals we're going to discuss in this podcast are in the description below, as well as social media profiles for myself, the podcast itself, and our guest. Please take the time to follow us all right now. There is a good chance there will be some strong language at some point during this podcast, just letting you know that ahead of time. And please take the time right now to give us a five-star review on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Cheers. Okay, welcome again to another episode of Desert Island Goals. I am your host, Callum Squires. Thank you very much for taking the time to check out this podcast. As always, be a friend, tell a friend, share the podcast with people who might be interested. And if you have time, please leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us out. Uh, get the word out there about the podcast. Joining me today is a very special guest, my cousin, Liam Drysdale, joining us all the way from, from Scotland. Liam, how are you today? Very well. Pleasure to be here. Um, I've listened to a couple. No, nah, I've actually listened to more a couple, about half of them so far, and I'm, I'm into them. So I'm going to try and do my best, but this could take a while. This could take a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I'm really excited about the chat. I mean, obviously, you know, we... We know each other exceptionally well in terms of football and so on and so forth. And some of my favorite childhood memories of playing football in what was your house's hallway, uh, using two doors as a goal while you ran circles around me uh, (laughs) as a six or seven year old. Don't think it'd be like that now, but yeah. Oh, it still might be. I've I've ballooned in size and lost what little pace I had, but that's just just life, isn't it? Um, Obviously, we always start by introducing you. Um, and obviously, I've given away uh, the country you're from, but maybe not specifically the area. Um, so first things first, where, where are you from? And what are your earliest memories of becoming a football fan? And perhaps that will lead into which teams you support and, and why? Yeah, I'm from Edinburgh. grew up in Edinburgh with a non-footballing supporting immediate family. I think that's probably the key thing. Immediate yep. is, the, is the key word because I did have... <laughs> Uh, an uncle and some cousins that were certainly an auntie so that were certainly into football but um yeah so grew up in Edinburgh and I guess I started so yeah like nothing no real interest in football and with the whole family I say until really I started school primary and then I guess it was my friend Patrick Patrick Monroe and his dad Alan that first kind of got me into playing football first of all so I don't know if that was P1 or 2 I'm not not too sure but it was early and also, that's how I came to support Hibs, uh, Hibernian, uh, which is obviously is the local team as well. So it would have you know happened probably naturally anyway. That is how yeah I started supporting Hibs, and they took me to my first game. And I'm really I'm still unsure about exactly when it was. So it was definitely before it was pre ninety eight World Cup. It was at home to Motherwell, and I I it, always in my head is it's a two 0 win, right? So I was like, oh, I should probably go and look that up to see if I can actually find that game. <laughs> And uh, we did beat Motherwell 2-0 in like November 1996, but that feels early. That I would have been five then. I'd have just started P1. We did beat them 1-0 the next season. I think it might have been that. But yeah, so I'd been to, you know, I went to one, one Hibs game in one of those two seasons. But, you know, obviously started uh, you know, playing football. And then it was really France 98 that was the real kickoff. But it was, but it was like before that, I was like, I think I was panini kind of collecting panini stickers, all of that, and I was, you know, Scotland were in it, England were in it, half half English. So I was excited about about those things, and I kind of was already reading up and like really excited, even though I hadn't really watched much football before. So I kind of can't work out that how that was 
happened. But yeah, then France '98 loved Beckham. Had a uncle who supported Manchester United, uh, <laughs> uh, so it was kind of cross between Neil Squires and David Beckham that made me two very good-looking human beings uh, that, <laughs> that got me into supporting Man United, really. So that was my team's, uh, yeah, Hibs, Man United, Scotland. And for a, a good, a few years, England was on that list. Uh, and we'll maybe talk about why that, why they dropped off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that will come up. I mean, you know, yeah. it's kind of the, yeah, it's, I guess it's an interesting juxtaposition between us in that where you grew up and where I grew up, both being half English, half Scottish by blood, but yeah. I think it's very fair to say that England would be my first team and Scotland would be yours. Yeah. But on the flip side, I've very much always cheered for Scotland whenever they're not playing England and whenever it was yeah. you know, an opportunity to to support Scotland, which I think it's fair to say, unfortunately, has been limited over the years, to Absolutely. be frank. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think the England-Scotland thing probably come on to, well, we certainly will come on to it later. But I think it's like, it's the underdog nature of... and it. You're not really allowed to support England as soon as like, if you've got mates, yeah. that, you know, if you're a Scotland fan. So we'll come on, we'll come on to that. But I did for a, I did for a while. I promise you. Obviously, you touched on Hibs being the local team, and yeah. as you said, you know, not an immediately football supporting family. But as as we both kind of experienced in in growing up, you know, football is so prevalent in schools in the UK from friendships and how you socialise. I mean, it's how I met my best friend. It's how we socialised. It was we played football at every break and lunchtime, and then on the weekends we play football yeah. Saturday morning or whatever, and it just kind of becomes a huge part of your life that way. But obviously, you touched on Hibs being the local team. Was there ever any flirtation with the idea of oh. hearts at all? Because because obviously that's that's the other big team in Edinburgh. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, whether we like them or hate them, was there ever any sort of way that you could have ended up a hearts fan? I mean, there, there could have been, but there was, there was never a flirtation. I guess, like, yeah. So my, my friends group, it was me, Patrick, Sam, and Jamie, four guys. There was three Hibs and one one Hearts. So if Jamie had got in there early, maybe. But it was very much Alan, as yeah, Patrick's dad, who who was like the football coach as well, and so they were. You know, I think they were like lurching around, making, seeing if there's anyone that hadn't quite decided by that age, and just saying, "Right, you're coming with us. You're the, you're the Hibs fan." So no, there was never any kind of. It's like I did have a choice, basically. I guess is the point. I, I didn't have any loyalties, and it just was Hibs, and then that that was a. I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> we'll, we'll come on later about <laughs> that. Might not have yeah been the best idea, but you know, certainly it's my my team. Well, I think certainly growing up, I think it would be fair to say that you probably got your humility from the Hibs and your success <laughs> from the United, I guess, which United, maybe yeah. is not maybe is not the way you would have wanted it if you could have chosen. No. Um, for, yeah. for people, obviously, we're, we're going to go deep into detail in Hibs, in Hibs later, but for yeah. people who may not be as familiar with the SPL and with the Scottish football landscape, obviously, you know, Celtic and Rangers kind of leap out. Yeah. What would you tell people maybe from America or, or, or elsewhere around the world who are not necessarily super in with the SPL about yep. the league itself, about what it's like and about, I guess, what the feelings are of the other teams to the big two, shall we say? So, yeah, like the Celtic and Rangers dominate um, over the last 15 years has been a bit different with Rangers getting into financial trouble and getting relegated, similar to the Calciopoli scandal in, in Italy. I mean, it wasn't paying off refs or anything, but it was they, they got relegated to the... I guess League Two, uh, bottom division. There was a bit of a, a bit of a change for a few years, but yeah, Celtic Rangers. We've got like a top league of you know twelve teams. So I guess the, the standing is I guess Aberdeen would probably be the third biggest team, but that's only really because of the Ferguson era. I think. I mean, I guess in terms of fan base, they probably are third as well. But Ferguson in the eighties, you know, 
European finals and all that. And yeah, the success they had there. And then it's kind of like Hib- Hearts, Hibs, I guess Dundee United, who had a bit of, um, a bit of, of success in the 80s as well. So, you know, Hibs are kind of like the fifth, sixth biggest team kind of thing in Scotland. And I mean, the thing that I guess has defined Scottish football for the you know, past has been the religious nature of the, the two biggest teams in Celtic and Rangers, Catholic and Protestant. Big, massive, massive, massive rivalry. Like, ridiculous. Like, it's just, like, it's it's not as, I don't think, violent as it was. Well, it's definitely not as violent as it was. But that was only, like, 10, 15 years ago. It still was like that. Um, but it's still like you speak to a Celtic fan, and they can barely even say their, their like they say the word Rangers. Like it's it's unbelievable. I was listening to a, <laughs> I really like this Scottish comedian Lemaine. He was talking about playing Monopoly with uh, some some Celtic fans, and it was the Glasgow version of Monopoly. And there was a so there's a Celtic piece and a and a and a Rangers piece, and they were playing the rules where you had to buy it. And a Celtic fan got on the Rangers, and he was like. I'm not fucking buying that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not fucking <laughs> buying that. And he actually ended up giving it to Lemmy for free because, like, for, didn't even have to barter. He's like, you can absolutely have it. And Lemmy ended up winning because of that. So he likes. So sectarianism has a great, you know, has benefits as well. But that's the that is the real difference between Celtic Rangers uh, and that, you know the hatred between the two of them. And then everyone hates both of them really. But they've got their kind of different. I mean, technically, Hibs are the kind of Catholic side of Edinburgh and, and Hearts the Protestant side. But it's never. It's never been that like. That's never been anything I've thought about. So, but we do set, we do tend to have a bit of a better relationship with Celtic in terms of like loaning players and back and forth. Hate Rangers, obviously, um, and but Aberdeen Rangers have got a massive rivalry as well. It, it was quite good, I think, in the nineties. Basically, before I kind of really got into it, Gascoigne was at Rangers, Brian Loudrop was at Rangers, and eventually Larson obviously came to Celtic and was successful. Celtic got the final of the UEFA Cup, two thousand four, think or three, no three, I think. Uh, Rangers actually got into the UEFA Cup final, or I think it was Europa League then, 2008, and then obviously got into the final last year. So we had a bit of a doldrum in like 10, 15 years, but it has been coming back with, I guess, Rogers going to Celtic. We had the Gerrard thing at Rangers. We've had some some better players come in, and I guess with the success of the Scottish national team, success, better <laughs> performance of the Scottish national team. I think it is, it is on the upward trend again, Scottish football, I would say. It's... The banter league as well. Like, there's just there's storylines everywhere. The football won't be as good, but you know, stuff that ha- that goes on is just sometimes insane. So it's it, yeah, you're, you're it's very entertaining. It's just maybe not great football. I mean, I think that there's definitely parallels to uh, MLS over here, shall we yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, I guess. So, yeah. I, I, every time I look at MLS, every team has scored, and it's like three <laughs> yeah. two in every game. Like, there's just yeah. no defending whatsoever. Um, I guess the difference is probably the the fans <laughs> and the yes. chance and the, <laughs> the hatred and yeah. Yeah, there was. I, I do. I it always makes me laugh when quote unquote Scottish Twitter and Scottish TikTok or whatever permeates yeah. into like American circles of mine <laughs> right, because yeah. it. I, I I don't know what it is, but I think for people from the US, anything in a British accent that isn't a typical normal English accent is just yeah. funnier because of the yeah. accent. And so, no, absolutely. You know yeah. when. You know, with everything that was happening with the the passing of the Queen and various you know chants and protests and things, there was a lot yeah. uh, coming onto social media over here that a lot of my friends found highly entertaining, and I, <laughs> I do like it when the Scottish uh, the Scottish sense of humour, shall we say, uh, permeates yeah. into into the US over here as well. Um, we're going to talk a lot more about Scottish football, the SPL, yeah. and him specifically as we go through uh, your list of Des Island goals, which is first and foremost why you're here, not just for you and I to have a chance to catch up and yeah. chat about football in 
making the Desert Island goals list. Obviously, I spoke to you about the concept a few months back now, yeah. um, left you with some time to stew and think about it. How hard was the process to kind of settle on five goals? And what criteria, I guess, did you use to decide which five you were going to take with you onto your Desert Island? I think in general, it wasn't too hard. I think there was maybe two, poss- possibly three complete locks. Like not, no, no thought about it at all, really. And then there was maybe a pool of maybe four or five that could have got in and the last two did. In terms of criteria, I, I just think it's like something that it's goals that mean that mean something really. It's the it's late winners, it's drama, winning something, it mattering. Yeah, you know, I will come on to maybe I guess like the honourable mentions later, but one already is I was at the game when Rooney scored the volley against Newcastle, like an unbelievable goal. The best goal I've seen live. But it doesn't it's no it's not really close to a goal that I'd want to relive. Because you know it's a two-one win against Newcastle. It wasn't really like, and you know it didn't really matter that much. So all my goals are just yeah, are about you know how much they meant and the <laughs> reactions after. And I guess you know I can remember where I was for all all that kind of stuff. Like it's they were pretty easy. I think they were pretty easy. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's good that good that you know what you were looking for. For a number of them, they're very late goals. And, yeah. you know, as, 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 as I know, you've kind of become a massive NBA fan in the kind of past few years or so and so yeah. forth. And I think the idea of kind of getting as close to the idea of a buzzer beater as you yeah. can get, is that, is, that, is that part of the thinking, I guess? Absolutely. I mean, I think in, yeah, the, all the most exciting moments I've seen over the last three years of watching the NBA have been buzzer beaters, really. I don't think you can, I don't think anything else could compare to it. So, it's, yeah, it's the same, it's the same thing. It's the, it's the fact that you know it's, it can't go wrong from here. Although I guess in some of them, in one of these goals, it definitely it does go wrong from there. Oh, shit. Uh, well, it maybe gives you a bit of a clue. But one of them, it goes wrong after. But the other ones, it doesn't. And I guess it's just, yeah, it's the relief that we've... It's, it's the comeback. It's, the, yeah, it's, it's all that kind of thing. And yeah, NBA definitely links to that. I think my favourite moment so far is probably a sports Celtics. And I guess it was maybe Tatum's buzzer beat against the Nets game one. But yeah, I think... Like you can't beat a late winner, and I feel like the ones I've listened listened to, I think that's quite that's consensus really that late winners are. The- you have to feel this is their year. It must be playing defensive. Schmeichel's not coming up for this one. Is this their moment? Beckham into Sheringham. Okay, goal number one for Liam, and it's a very late winner to win a piece of silverware that becomes very, very important. I mean, for for me, this is a seminal moment in my football history, um, and I'm sure it is the same for you as well, as we'll get into here. So this is the 1999 UEFA Champions League final, which is perhaps not a surprise to anyone who is a Manchester United fan that this one would be relevant and discussed on an episode with Liam. And this is the game that secures the treble for Manchester United, a feat that, as of yet, has not been replicated in English football, winning the Premier League, the FA Cup and the Champions League in the same season, in this famous 98-99 season for Manchester United. 
United beat Bayern Munich 2-1 in the Camp Nou in Barcelona. But the game and the goal that we get to here is so much more than just a 2-1 win. I think there's a very fair argument for the most dramatic finish to a Champions League final ever, though some will fairly argue about Istanbul in 2005. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scores the winner in the 93rd minute, three minutes of added time. United went into added time, trailing 1-0 after Mario Basler's six-minute opener, a free kick that kind of befuddled Peter Schmeichel in goal. My recollection, and perhaps you you can tell me differently, Liam, but my recollection is that Bayern dominated the game and United were hanging on for most of it. And I think part of that is to do with the fact that United started with a central midfield of Nicky Butt and David Beckham, based on the fact that both Paul Scholes and Roy Keane were suspended for the final following yellow cards against Juventus in the semis. The game goes on. Bayern have lots of chances. I remember Karsten Janka hitting the bar. There was the chip that comes off the post, I think, from maybe Mehmet Scholl, I think. And then yeah. at the very end, United throw Schmeichel forward and get their equaliser from Teddy Sheringham, only to win a corner a couple minutes later. And Clive Tilsley's infamous, com- infamous commentary, you have to feel this is their year. And Beckham into Sheringham and Solskjaer has won it, is born and it lives forever and always will. And I, I can't help but tear up every time I, you know, I, I watch it. Liam, take me back to 1999. Where were you watching it? And what are your recollections of the goal in the moment? And then obviously we'll, we'll go on to kind of what it's become in, in hindsight. Yeah, I said in this, at the start that, you know, France 98 was like the start of kind of real football for me. So the first season after that was the 1998-1999 season. And as I said before... A mixture of David Beckham, Neil Squires made me support Manchester United, and it turned out to be a nice first season. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to change after that. So yeah, watched it in my living room with my whole family. So you know, a year before, no one's watching football, no one care gives a you know cares at all, and now everyone cares. I promise you, for this game at least. Uh, so the five of us watching it, we had the big screen. Uh, so we used to have a projector screen, you might remember. Um, so we had that up, I uh, projected on the big screen. I think we turned the, the seats around. We used to sometimes turn the seat, the, the couches around, so it was more like a cinema view when we were watching films. So it was all the setup was there, and I guess the setup was similar. I mean, the setup might have been similar, but the, certainly you and your family were, you know, doing the same thing in London as we were in Edinburgh. It's hard to remember what I'm actually remembering from the night of of when it actually happened and what I'm remembering from watching it a thousand times after. And, you know, we've already discussed beforehand that we both, after the season, had the treble DVD, eh, not DVD, the treble VHS that we watched over and over again. You know, it's got every game, every goal. And, you know, we were, I was absolutely obsessed. And it's, it just went from zero to 100, the football fandom for me, I guess. This is probably part of the reason why. Um, so yeah, it's hard to remember what I actually remember from the time. The the things I remember is sitting on the bottom of the stairs in the hall, crying at one nil. Maybe kind of I, I don't know what minute, but seventy seventieth, eightieth minute. I think a certain Calm Squires had gone up, <laughs> had been told to go up to bed. Is that what happened? I was or, I was crying as well, and I yeah. went upstairs. Upstairs. So I yeah. so I missed the equaliser. Yeah. Five. Because, yeah. And, you know, who can begrudge it, I guess? Oh, yeah, I no, was, it's not. Yeah. We, we have, in our house, we have, we have a living room in the, in the bottom, and then there was a, 
a room above that is technically a second living room, but it's basically our spare room where guests yeah. stay. And I had gone into that room okay. and was basically just crying. And my mum came upstairs to get me. And while she's getting me, we hear a scream from downstairs, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, which is my dad celebrating the 1-1. So obviously then ran back downstairs and saw the winner. Again, yeah. I wish I could remember more vividly the actual game i just remember yeah. you know I, I think the the crazy thing was that i was allowed to stay up till what well, 10 p.m yeah. like that was that was a treat enough in itself and then we won the trouble i mean it was unbelievable. yeah absolutely yeah i mean i hadn't made it to the top of the stairs but i was certainly at the bottom i was out the room <laughs> you know i was really upset it's just amazing that you got those feelings as a you know i don't know how how did i understand like how important it was i guess i probably yeah. didn't fully but i I feel you know i feel like i did so you know i feel like i remember vasler's free kick i feel like i remember schmeichel after it going in clapping his hands together i feel like i remember yanker uh, hitting the bar and the chip going over i feel like i remember the commentary and the the my united always score well they score my united always score score, that that line the name on the trophy after the the, that was after the equalizer unbelievable stuff yeah it's so good and the sharing of unsocial has won it and uh just and I remember. I, I feel, again, I feel like I remember that. I feel like I remember Kufor slamming the ground. I feel like I remember yeah. Khan looking helpless and them all running. And Lothar Mateus looking Lothar upset Mateus, on the sideline. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. When he's on the bench and he's looking at. Yeah, and then obviously Solskjaer sliding with his knees on the grass, even though he's allergic to grass. All these things. <laughs> I may remember them. I definitely remember being uh, going crazy in the living room, and I definitely remember crying on the bottom of the stairs. But no, it's just an amazing, amazing moment and. To have Beckham involved, obviously to have Schmeichel going up for the first kick, um, for sharing him to score and then set up the second with the, the, the knock-on. Nah, it was just just ridiculously amazing. I mean, no one, and no one's surprised by this goal being in here. I don't think <laughs> we can do it just <laughs> no, for not sure. at all. I, 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, the treble, the treble VHS, as, as we spoke about before we started recording, you know, that was uh, a seminal piece of... I guess, information in my life. Like I, I, yeah. I could genuinely probably still rattle off most of the results from that season and who scored yeah. because it was just something that I watched on repeat to get that, you know, buzz of our team was successful. And you're absolutely right that I think, not that I had, I guess, an escape route, but after winning three trophies in the first season, there, I was united for life. There was just yeah. no, there was no question about it, really. Yeah. Like, yeah, when people say, oh, when did you switch back to Man United? And I was like, well, the 98-99 season, they were like, well, obviously. I was like, no, but the start of that season. <laughs> yeah. Arsenal won the league the year before. Like, I'm not like... I I, I wasn't crying at the bottom of the stairs because I knew we were going to go on to win the treble. Like, what? Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, as I say, I know. We had, it's not like we were, you know, obviously, we were still the biggest team. England yeah. had lots of success, but Arsenal had won the league the year before. Yeah, I, and I think, like, the other thing with the treble video is that, you know, I hadn't seen most of these goals. Really. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't have Sky at that point, and... The Champions League was on ITV, so I would have watched a lot of them. I always remember the Juventus games. I, I mean, I remember the group stage with the crazy three alls and all that. And I remember the Juventus first leg. Cause I remember, and I remembered Antonio Conte's name ever since then because he scores in the one all draw, doesn't he? Yeah. So I, you know, I remember his name for years until you know he became a manager. And then obviously the the Inzaghi double, and then the comeback, and the keen yellow, and the header, and just amazing. You know, that was obviously unbelievable. So I do remember that. Basically, I didn't, you know, I hadn't, I couldn't watch many games. I do remember, um, I feel, again, I feel like I remember the Bromby game, but do I? Like, is that just because of the treble? I feel like I remember watching, I, you know what I really remember, and this is the season after, but I remember I was playing Sturm Graz. There you go. I remember I was playing Sturm Graz the season after in the, in the group stage. Maybe, 
again, that's ITV. So I don't know. I was watching the Champions League games, but not the ITV games. But yeah, a lot of the Premier League goals we hadn't seen. And I, you know, from catching up, for finding out the results, it was teletext, and it was yeah. it was during the matches. It was constantly going through the pages to make sure to see when United score, and that's how I found out that. Cole had scored against Tottenham in the last game of the season. You know, it's just crazy to think. It, yeah, the, the, the yeah. kids these days, the, I mean, it sounds rich for us aged, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, late, late 20s to, to say. Uh, the yeah. kids these days don't know how good they've got it, but they don't. And, you know, I yeah. think for, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think for me growing up, there was definitely a time period, not that it doesn't anymore, but we're not in it. But the Champions League was my focus over the league yeah. because those are the games I could watch. You know, yes, exactly. I, I watched yeah. match of the day, sure, like Sunday yeah. morning because I wasn't allowed to stay up for them on Saturday night. Yeah, but it wasn't a, a weekly thing that I would necessarily because if you overslept or slept, you know, just had something to do, you missed the you goal, missed. and this wasn't a I time al- where you could record the TV. Really, I always woke up on the Sunday morning halfway through fucking match of the day when yeah. it's like Middlesbrough <laughs> versus Birmingham. It's just you know you'd always miss the start of it, and I guess we could have recorded it. And maybe we did. They must have started doing that. But yeah, you certainly wouldn't even. Yeah, you wouldn't be staying up to watch match of the day either, would you? So uh, it was hard to, you know, find all these goals. But we did get Sky fairly soon after, and I think that was always a bugbear of yours. <laughs> I think we maybe <laughs> did get it early, uh, and therefore from there it was like every game. You were, I was watching every game. So. Yeah, my my parents didn't get Sky until I left for America, which is forever <laughs> an unforgivable sin. Oh, that's brilliant, man. Yeah, mum mum was like, if we get it, you won't do your A levels. I was like, mum, I have to do my A levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, when you look back at the treble season on the whole, was there a player in that team that was was your number one above all else? I mean, I know you mentioned Beckham first and foremost. Does does Solskjaer yeah. vault himself to the top of the list just based on this goal? Very close, yeah. I think very close because it wasn't just the, to be honest, it wasn't just this goal, was it? Really, you know, he was doing it all the time, coming off the bench and scoring, scoring goals. Remember, he came off the bench, scored four, didn't he? I can't remember if it was this season, maybe it's the next. Forest, one. yeah, no, it was that one. Yeah, but yeah, definitely Beckham, and then definitely Solskjaer and Dwight York as well. Dwight York as well. I think it was just the the uh, the collar, the stick up collar, just just happy, you know, just happy scoring goals. Obviously, the Cole York thing was amazing, but York was already a wee bit, wee bit cooler than Cole, I think, uh, even though Cole's extremely underrated. But um, a bit sharing them as well, honestly. And then, obviously, the, what the you know, your skulls and gigs and stuff come on to be amazing for 10, 15 years. So I think I think it was Beckham and Solskjaer, I think. Uh, but yeah, Beckham is still, still my number one, still is. <laughs> and drags it down now. Long way out. Oh, what a goal! What a goal by McFadden! Magic from James McFadden! He's a genius again for Scotland! They've been suckered in the Parc des Princes! James McFadden from 40 yards into the river and then pick it out, Landro! France nil, Scotland won! Okay, goal number two for Liam. And this is a little bit of history for the podcast, as it is the first time that we have a European Championship qualifying goal on this list, basically a, a qualifying goal of any kind for the first time. And this is our first trip away with the Scottish national team. And we are in Paris at the Parc de Prince. And Scotland, having already beaten France earlier in the qualifying stage, trying to qualify for what would have been their first major tournament since 1998, correct? Yeah. So 10 years on from World Cup 98. We are in 2007, but qualifying for Euro 2008. Scotland attempting to make it there. 
and we can obviously talk about uh i guess what was the eventual outcome of this qualifying campaign as we as we progress but in the Parc de France this is James McFadden scoring probably the greatest goal of his career in the 64th minute for Scotland stuns the Parc de France and as you've just heard the commentary the entirety of Scotland got very very excited for this goal and it's a wonderful piece of commentary there I think Peter Martin is the commentator so we should give him some credit because that was fantastic so Liam, take me back to 2007. James McFadden, France, everything that comes into it. There were some good, talented players in this team. But yeah. this is also a France team that is bringing <laughs> Karim Benzema off the bench. Yeah, Still having, you know, the midfield is Ribéry, Vieira, Makalele and Maluda with Trezeguet right. and Anelka up front. I mean, it's hardly, it's hardly a bad France team. And Great, Scotland go to Paris and get the win. So take me back to 2007. Where were you for this one? Probably with all my goals, I'm going to go back, I think, 10 years earlier to the, the build-up starts <laughs> way earlier. I guess the build-up starts France 98, to be honest. My first, I was going, keep going back to France 98, but obviously Scotland were in it and it was the last time that we were in it. What, the reason why this is the first time you've had a year, a qualifying goal is because there's not many of the ones in the final tournament, really. <laughs> Three in my lifetime, I think. Obviously, qualified in France 98 and, you know, I knew, knew nothing different than I just assumed. I think we'd qualified... We'd obviously been in Euro 96 I, before I was watching football. We'd been in that. I think we'd been in Euro 92. I don't think we'd been in World Cup 94. But, you know, it wasn't... It wasn't we weren't in that really, either, so... No, I know. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't really uncommon for Scotland to be in tournaments. But it was, you know, it wasn't every time. But, of course, the next sets of, qual- of uh, qualifiers, no success. I remember crying after being put out by Czech Republic in the playoffs, Jan Collar. I remember, obviously, so in 2000, I think it's for year 2004, we got to the playoffs again. McFadden scored again, an f- amazing goal against Netherlands, 1-1-0 first leg, lost 6-0 second leg, <laughs> Van Nistelrooy hat-trick, you know, Schneider, Van der Vaart, Seydorf, all them. So, and we, we'd, we'd, we'd gone through a bit of a bad sp- spell with Bert, Bertie Folks, really. It, was, it really wasn't very inspiring. But as you say, like the, in the lead up to this, Alex McLeish took over and we, ha- we had... You know Barry Ferguson, Scott Brown midfield. You know you've got, as you say, Alan Hutton was was doing really well at that time. Craig Gordon is just ridiculous shot stopper. <laughs> but really, McFadden, it's just McFadden. I, you know, it, it's just a shame that club wise, you know, I think Everton fans did love him, but he didn't, you know, get to the heights club wise for for whatever reason. But for Scotland, it's just always him. Like I, guess I said before, the Ho- the Holland goal he'd scored in a Lithuania when like a really important goal he'd scored in the game after this when we beat Ukraine 3-1 to really keep the momentum going just a Scottish just a Scottish legend just so technically good um so yeah the, the, but the background to this to this uh, group stage is that we were drawn against France who had six months earlier or you know two months earlier while this campaign started World Cup finalists Italy World Cup winners Ukraine quarter, World Cup quarter finalists Shevchenko and everyone and then Georgia and Lithuania which aren't Exactly, you know, the easiest away 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 games. So it wasn't it wasn't a great uh, a great draw. We'd we'd won the kind of easiest games. We had lost to away to Ukraine and we had lost away to uh, to Pirlo. I was about to say Italy, but it was Pirlo. It was two. I think it was two free kicks from Pirlo. But we had, as you said earlier, we had beat France at home. Gary Caldwell. I don't think he was at Hibs at this point, but he uh, he was a Hibs player. Fairly recent. I think he must have had moved to Celtic by this point, but only just, I think. So, yeah, there was the Hibs tie there with Caldwell scoring. It was kind of a late 
you know, kind of back post kind of slide in. Not a great goal, but it was a, it was a brilliant day. Now, we played, I think we played well in that game, but it was another Gordon speciality, you know, he's saving everything. And so, yeah, it was a brilliant win there, 1-0. I remember watching it in the, the pub, brother-in-law's dad's pub. You know, great, great day there. So going into the France away game, we didn't really have much hope by that point. As I say, we'd lost away to Ukraine and Italy. And despite beating France at home, it was like, yeah, it's probably nothing's probably going to happen here. So I was in the pits, so like the five-a-side complex, uh, leisure yeah. centre kind of thing, uh, with my football, my football team at the time, Edinburgh City. We, I think we'd cancelled, we cancelled training really for this game. Must be now. Wednesday night or something so it wasn't all of us there but 10 of us there watching this and like yeah with our draft cokes and not beer by that point <laughs> I think I remember I was doing okay just kind of first half just doing okay just holding on fine you know McLeish is the kind of defense first manager McLeish was Hibs manager early 2000s so there's another Hibs tie there and he did really well for Hibs obviously he did go to Rangers from us so he wasn't exactly a fan favorite with Hibs fans but he was doing well for you know he was doing well for Scotland and actually in this the first half of this campaign it was Walter Smith, uh, so Walter Smith was the manager for the for the first one 0 win and then he left Scotland during a fucking campaign to go to fucking Rangers, <laughs> starting to understand why we hate Rangers, and um, so Alex McLeish comes in and he was a defence first manager so we were kind of holding on in this game I don't think you know we were not creating any chances <laughs> I don't think really we weren't creating too many chances but. You know, you need you rattle the name off, names off like Ribery, Anelka, Trezeguet, Vieira, all them. So, you know, I did watch the highlights back, and there are chances. I think the more, more of the chances are after this goal, but yeah, in terms of the goal, I just remember, just you know, obviously it's a long. I, I think it's a goal kick, yeah, or or a kick from hands. I'm not sure from Craig Gordon, uh, a wee goalkeeper assist there. An amazing first touch from McFadden. And really good second second touch to kind of get it in front of him and then just a ping. And what's your thoughts on the goalkeeping? Well, I mean, um, <laughs> Not I don't to take wanna... away from the goal. This is the thing. It's like, you know, it's like, there's there's been goals on this podcast where the goalkeeping is highly questionable, shall we say? And yeah. you don't, you know, you don't want to take anything away from the strike. I yeah. think it's a shot on target. You know, yeah. it's, it's on target yeah. one way or another. Yeah. I don't know that Landro has covered himself in glory. I also no. don't remember him being a goalkeeper that I thought was particularly amazing, full stop. No. But I, I mean, don't know I if that's my current, glory, like... Didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm currently just many... biased against French goalkeepers based on how bad I think Hugo Lloris is. But okay. I don't know if that's, you know... Martes? in in Well... <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> the hand up. The I don't know if I'm being unfair to Landro just by imagining, you know, Loris in his body. I guess, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not the best goalkeeping, but I think <laughs> for the first touch and the ingenuity to oh, say, so "I'm 30 yards out. I'm going to hit this." And to be fair, the accuracy to get the power yeah. on it under the bar. I mean, it's you know, it's not easy yeah. to and do it is that. Swerving, I think as well. It's good. It's great technique. Yeah. It is great technique. It's not like it's a kind of lump up kind of long range strike it is it is a great it is a really good strike um but you're right i don't think landro is, is you know he's not i don't think many people would remember him so he's not like an amazing goalie but i don't think they really it wasn't like he was being rested or anything they had their first team out um I, the, the defense looked a bit shaky they must have had some injuries but they had i mean they had two rams so it, it was all yeah, right. i mean the back line uh the back line lasana diara turam yeah. escude and abidal i mean it's still yeah. not a bad back four, is it? I mean, and obviously, yeah, I don't think there's necessarily anything that they could have done 
to stop the goal, the back the back four per se. I mean, I guess you could say yeah, step yeah. up a little bit quicker, but it's an unbelievable strike from McFadden. And yeah. you know what a win for Scotland to do a double over France in uh, qualifying. It was just amazing. I mean, it was more, yeah, it was the goal, but it was the holding on after it and just the feeling after it that, Jesus, like, it was still like, oh, fuck, we've got, we've got Ukraine to play at home. We've got Italy to play at home. We've gone to Georgia and we still need to, to basically win all our games. It wasn't like we still really couldn't slip up, but it was just amazing feeling after it because we were like, you know, we're, we're holding our own. We're, we, I mean, they probably should have won the game. They had more, much more, many more chances than us, mm-hmm. but it was just a bit of hope, man, honestly. And we just needed that. And I guess my fandom in general, Scottish fandom probably needed a bit of hope and a bit of, oh, I don't know, just something. And McFadden gave us that really. And I guess Ferguson was was brilliant in that campaign as well. And a lot of other players were, but it was just a really exciting, memorable run that continued after this game. As I say, um, I don't know if we get onto that now or. Yeah, I mean, you can you can explain better than I can the actual, you know, I guess why they didn't make it in the end. Yeah, but oh, I'll explain. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you will. But my question, <laughs> and I'll let you, I'll let you explain. <laughs> but my question was, does is there any part of this that is dulled by the eventuality of not qualifying, or does as a standalone moment it still stand up just as much as anything you could you could want? I think I think in the moment it doesn't dull the goal. And I guess I think maybe if we'd had more success in other campaigns and like we'd got to tournaments, maybe this would fall down the list. But right now, this is the best we've got. <laughs> uh, you know, qualifying for Euro 2021 was absolutely brilliant, but it was two penalty shootouts, but like following a nil-nil and a, a one-all. Uh, so it wasn't like we scored many goals there. We had this amazing nil-nil victory against England in the in the actual <laughs> in the actual uh, tournament. Oh, what a win that was! Uh, so no, there's no. There, it's it's it doesn't dampen the goal at all. No, but I guess if there had been more successful moments for Scotland, then maybe it would get it would get bumped down a little bit. Oh, it was a great, no, it was an amazing moment. Beating France home and away is, is yeah, as, as you say. An okay, moment. and then let's let's do our due diligence <laughs> for the uh, football historians out there. Yeah, I I have my recollections, but give me your recollections of why. Scotland did not qualify no, for just cheated, Euro obviously. 2008. <laughs> just obviously cheated. Well, it's a combination of a few things. So the next game we play Ukraine, again, a really good Ukraine team, beat Ukraine. And, and it was more like that game was just amazing because it was straight after and it was like we were dominating. It was like it was a 3-1 win. McFadden scored another goal. It wasn't like backs against the wall at all. It was like, fuck, we're actually good now. And we had the belief that we could go on. My recollection is it comes down to this game in, in Scotland against Italy. It does, uh, but but no, well, it kind of partly does, right? So we beat Ukraine. We then have, I think, the, the month off that you normally have. And then we play away to Georgia. We release this one-off maroon kit, third kit. I mean, maroon, it's, you know, explains everything for the people that don't know that's heart, That's the colour of hearts, <laughs> the heads rivals. We release this one-off kit, for some reason, wear it in Georgia. And it was a 2-0 defeat and it was horrendous like it was absolutely like it i can't believe georgia had anyone did they have anyone i feel like they might have had like one is it not really maybe uh, england got beat earlier that day yeah and two no two two no yeah and that i'm sure that was the neville on goal and uh my grandpa said to me I, i've never said he's never said anything any bad word to me but i think it was because danny was maybe my brother-in-law danny was maybe a little too happy that england didn't win i know I, I wasn't <laughs> showing that and he said Oh, you you'll be happy. It's 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 your shot now, or or something to, along that effect. Like, well, it doesn't sound that bad, but it was like the first time I'd ever seen him slightly annoyed about anything. So we, you know, following that defeat from England, we were like, right now it's our turn, and we got beat by Georgia, and it was just really bad. So, but if we had Italy at home last last game, and we were 
two points behind them. So a win and it's over. France were playing Ukraine later. That was it. A draw might have been enough, basically. So yeah, we play Italy. Um, two minutes in, Luca Toni, bang, 1-0. So yeah, that wasn't great. <laughs> but we did come into it and we were, you know, we just did, we just did really well. Uh, we were like, you know, you know, we were creating chances and we were still had the momentum and Ferguson equalised here's 65th minute. And so, you know, we're pushing, we're pushing and a chance falls to McFadden and uh, the kind of back post and he, and, he, and he misses. And it's just like, how can, how can this happen? You don't miss. But basically we were kind of holding on for one all, which at the time I think would have been, okay as long as the France result later on had gone our way, France away to Ukraine that was it, so I think if France had lost we would have qualified which was possible away to Ukraine, it was possible, so the one all draw wasn't the best but we're like right we'll hold on to this so then 90 odd whatever minute there's a kind of challenge and Panucci uh, no, no it wasn't Panucci, he's a fucking scorer so one Italian player in, uh, fouled Alan Hutton, so obviously free kick Scotland, um, the referees seemed to give that as a free kick to Italy for some reason so Italy, so Italy fouled, fouled Scotland, but got a free kick, which is a weird one. So yeah, last minute, uh, Italy have a free kick on the right-hand side, and it's, you know, clipped in, probably Pirlo, can't remember, Panucci had a utterly, like, heartbreaking, like, genuinely heartbreaking. Like, we, you know, we we ended the, the tournament, Italy 29 points, France 26 points, Scotland 24 Considering that if Italy hadn't scored that, we'd had 25, they'd had 27. It was just so close against the two teams that had been in the World Cup final the year before. Oh, it was hard. It was really, really bad. Yeah. It's I mean, I remember watching it in oh, what is now the Stapleton Tavern around the corner from, from where we grew up. And I don't think I've ever seen my mum so angry. My yeah. mum's not an angry person, but she was yeah. very, very angry at the way the Italians had, had won that game. Yeah, it was, you know, it's not quite Henri the Ireland. Like they, they probably trump us there, but it's... I wasn't going to bring that up, yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's just, you know, it's just probably a similar feeling. It was just, because we'd done so well. And the Georgia game, you have to look back at the Georgia game. We win that game, we would have qualified anyway. And it turns out France drew with Ukraine. So I think if we'd, I think the draw wouldn't have actually been enough in the end. But at the time, the draw would have just been like, right, we can kind of concentrate. Maybe Ukraine might have tried harder. I don't know. They they couldn't have qualified. Um, France had already qualified by that point. So it was just, oh, it was devastating. It was the, you know, but the, definitely the best fun I've had watching Scotland. <laughs> In Liverpool's favour, but we're not finished yet. Gary Neville, Makeda, comes out to Giggs. Great turn by Makeda! Astonishing! The response of champions from a player you won't have heard of before. You've certainly heard of him now. Here I see it, a star is born. What a time, what an arena, and what a moment to do this. Okay, goal number three for Liam, and we are at Old Trafford for the only time on this list. But it's a great goal, uh, one that has been spoken about on the podcast before, but very worth revisiting for what it means. And again, it ticks Liam's boxes of being a late goal, a late winner, and going on to mean something in what would become known as the Kiko Makeda title, basically. Uh, this is Manchester United 3, Aston Villa 2. 
in the game, United go 1-0 up through a very weird goal, an indirect free kick in the box that Cristiano Ronaldo puts away for, for 1-0 before Aston Villa turn it around through Big John Carew and Gabby Agbon Lahore. And Villa lead 2-1 going towards the last 10 minutes. Makeda's come on after about an hour for Nani. Ronaldo equalizes with another great snapshot from the edge of the box. And that leads to the winner, Liam Sturd, Desert Island goal from Kiko Makeda. A Cruyff turnish in the box. A swing of the right foot, curling past Brad Friedel. And some excellent commentary from Tyler and Andy Gray. 100%. Liam, take me back to 2009. What did this one mean to you? Yeah, so... I guess Man United were winning titles at this point. You know, this is 2009, so they had won the, the Champions League the season before. You know, obviously went through the the, the, the Mourinho years and the, the invincible years where it was kind of not as, you know, prolific with, tro- with, tro- with trophies. But we were back on top by this point with Ronaldo and Rooney. But I don't think, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we'd had a title race against Liverpool, really, in my no, in my never, lifetime. Never, No. And so this is Benitez, this is uh, facts, Torres, facts. this is facts, this is Torres, this is obviously Gerard, Alonso. This is a great team, really. And Torres was as scary as a... It's almost like the Haaland impact right now. I know like Haaland's scoring far more than Torres did. Yeah. But just at that time, he was so scary, man. Especially against Man United, especially against Nemanja Vidic. He was the <laughs> only person that Vidic couldn't defend. The only person. Just, yeah, he was just... It's you know unbelievable what happened to him. But yeah, so we're two defeats in a row. And they were significant because it was the horrible 4-1 defeat from Liverpool. The grey strip, the... Key, uh, the Gerard kissing the kissing the camera, and it was the Vidic red card that meant he was out for this game. And then the game after that was Craven Cottage lost to Fulham when Rooney got sent off, kicked the corner flag, so that's yeah. why he was suspended for this game. I think Rio was out for this game as well. I think you said like there was quite a few people out, but yeah, the you know, back four for United was Gary Neville and Johnny Evans at centre back, hence why John Carew <laughs> scored, and John O'Shea, John O'Shea and Patrice Evra right and left back. Right, and yeah. I love, so, I love me some John O'Shea, but that's not our oh, best back four ever. Well, he will get a mention in the honor uh, in the honourable mentions. So hey. you know, we'll come back to that. But um, but no, it was yeah. So it was a time we were playing Aston Villa when they were brilliant. You know, the Ashley Young and they had Milner, they had Gareth Barry. I'm sure by that, at that point, um, they had John Curry obviously in a Bonlahor who scored. Friedel, I think, was in goal. So yeah, the first one was a the first goal was a pass back from Milner to Friedel at two one to Villa. It was like. Fuck! This is actually Liverpool are actually going to do this. You know, we just looked completely, you know, two defeats in a row, completely lost. And okay, it's probably you know non-United fans will be like, well, you won every other year, but it's still, you know, it was three in a row, and it was Liverpool, and it was it was just really important that we won this. And obviously, I had just I just felt I think I must have just felt completely helped, like like it was o- that it was over, even even when Ronaldo scored. I guess that I just think a draw wouldn't have been enough at that time to. to uh, arrest the momentum and stuff. So I hadn't heard of him, Makeda. I, 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 I can guarantee I literally hadn't. I mean, I must have heard him at the start of the game when I saw it. They probably mentioned that this guy was on the bench. I had not heard of the guy. And when does that happen? I get, especially in April. It's not like it was like August and this was just a new youth player that, you know, we thought was going to be good. It's not like it's a kind of lower team. It's a really important game. It's Man United and there's a guy coming on that you've never heard of. Like that just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. And so for him to get that, it's just amazing. So the, you know, the ball comes over to him from Neville, doesn't it? And he kind of does the rubbish touch and gets yeah. dispossessed really easily. And it's like, have you just seen that clip? You're like, right, this guy's not going to make it. Which probably was a bit more of the reflection of what actually turned out than the next bit. But then it, I think, is it Carrick? It gets it? 
it's a gig. Oh, gigs, yeah, gigs, and then gigs plays it into him, and it's just like the the kind of Cru- as you say, Cruyff-ish turn and just swing of a, again. It is. It maybe is less technique. <laughs> it is maybe more of a swing than technique, but it's a it is a great strike past Friedel and the like. I just think those moments. I know this is that compared to the rest of them, this is probably compared to most of the other ones. This goal is feels like it's less meaningful, but I don't know. It's just those moments. It's just like you where you completely lose it. You completely lose it. Like this just meant a lot, and obviously went on to win the league and stop Liverpool from you know winning the league, which they again wouldn't do for I guess ten years longer, or whatever. So it was that that part of it. You know, they hadn't won the league in twenty years as well. So it just oh man, it was an amazing amazing moment that just doesn't come around that often. Yeah, if you want to draw a reaction out of a Liverpool fan, just say Kiko Makeda because they yeah. they still haven't forgotten or forgiven. I mean, yeah, he's he's not gone on to be a. Uh, necessarily one of the all-time greats but in this moment there's very few genuine united moments in my lifetime that i can just remember like losing absolute ah, yeah, control absolutely. of myself this is one skulls had a header in the last minute against man city, against city another, yeah that was a big yeah one. and the and van no, persie what, free kick against city, is another, free one kick for me, city yeah. is another honorable mention it's just like that moment yeah. where it's just like thank fuck it's like relief yeah. as well it's relief actually yeah. you know yeah. supporting my united is more and getting late goals for my united is more relief what the social wasn't that was like kind of yeah. underdog status when hibs are scotland that's more like underdog status like this is just sheer relief that we've, they've done it and i guess van persie won owen won um skulls ones were kind of similar to that yeah just yeah just sheer relief hey, mckenna did score in the next game it was like it was sunderland i think he scored yeah in so the next we, game. we, we were, were like away. this is it this is it we've got we found him but no i didn't didn't really <laughs> my last quick question on this is yeah. and i was this is one i was going to ask earlier but figured it fitted better here after this discussion yeah. about a little bit of this season Man United 98 to 01 or Man United 06 to 09? Both won three titles in a row. Yeah. Do you have a preference and which team do you think was better? So I guess like you kind of lose Stam, but you've kind of got Stam a bit, a bit. You've got Schmeichel, obviously. Although you lose Schmeichel and Stam after 99, you're getting, you know, you're getting Bartes. Or did we get Bartes straight away? Did, when Van der Howe was playing some games. Van, Van der Howe had a season. He definitely Aye. had the 99. Uh, Bosnitz, maybe? Yeah. Wasn't Maybe Boston. Yeah, the two of them, I think. And, you know, he's yeah. had his issues. So, uh, and then <laughs> Bartes. And so you're kind of getting, I, I guess, like you're losing some key players there. And you're not, we don't really get many big players in. Like, you know, Van Nistelrooy's a bit later, isn't he? He's yeah, he's so, I think he time. comes in in the summer of 01. I don't think he didn't yeah. win the league in his first season. He won it in his second. I guess, I guess the comparison is the teams that we were up against, right? So we're in yeah. the... 99 to 01, we're, we're up against Arsenal and Arsenal only really. And they were they were brilliant, right? And, and they won the next title. They won two of the next titles after that run. 06 to 09 or 07 to 09 or whatever. Um, we're up against Mourinho and Chelsea, although he's kind of, you know, tailed off. Uh, still kind of Arsenal, although the Emirates era, which wasn't as good. And then this Liverpool team. Um, I think talent-wise, it's probably the 07 to 09, you know, Rooney, Ronaldo, Tevez. I think it, I think it kind of has to be, in terms of my fondness. I'll go the I'll go the earlier one. <laughs> it's nostalgia. Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Oh! It's astonishing. It's Lee Griffiths. Two goals, two fabulous free kicks. Catch him if you can. Okay, goal number four for Liam, and it's another late one, which 
is the one Liam alluded to earlier that has a little bit of a sting in the tail here. But it's going to be a great moment nonetheless as we look to another qualifying goal, this time our first World Cup qualifying goal, as Scotland face England in 2018 World Cup qualifying, trying to get to the 2018 World Cup in Brazil. In this game at Hampden Park, which is somewhere we're going to be talking about for a little while now, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain gave England the lead with just about 20 minutes to go. And that's you know a name that you haven't heard much on this show as yet, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who was a prodigious young talent. And I think largely through injuries, hasn't hit the heights that at one point he was predicted to hit. But with three minutes left, Celtics' Lee Griffiths, and this was something I wanted to clarify, where Lee Griffiths was in his career at that point, and we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, but Celtics' Lee Griffiths scores a free kick past the outstretched dive of Joe Hart, and Scotland looked like they've got an equaliser and will take a point away from the game. Until, right on 90 minutes, Scotland get another free kick in a very similar position. And everyone's kind of looking around going, all right, Lee, I mean, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice, does it? Until Griffiths hits arguably an even better free kick past Joe Hart again, and Hamden goes absolutely insane. And it is Lee Griffith's second goal of this game that Liam has chosen. An unbelievable goal. Liam, Lee Griffiths, the free kicks. Uh, Take me back to 2017 and talk me through this day. And I guess by proxy, what the Scotland-England rivalry means to a Scottish football fan. Oh, man. It's again. It's just heartbreaking, really, isn't it? Like the two fucking Scotland goals I've got in here. One, you know, ends in disaster. Well, in, in heartbreak at the end of the at the end of the campaign, and this one ends in heartbreak. Literally, the minute after. I mean, but the just the moment. I guess the two moments. Just the the three minutes was just unbelievable. Like it was. Like so, we hadn't Scotland and England hadn't played a competitive game. I mean, they had played a competitive game earlier in that campaign. England, uh, Scotland started the campaign terribly. You know, England beat them, I think, 3-0. We got beat at Slovakia 3-0. And so this was a, this was a you know, after our kind of, we'd had some hard groups, this was a a, pot, a good chance for us, really. You know, England in pot A is, is quite a good draw, to be honest, because it's obviously we've got the rivalry and England had just gone through Euro 2016, Iceland. You know, they, it was clearly not a great moment. I think this is just after Sam, the whole Allardyce Thing blew up and Southgate comes in. I don't think England fans at that point were particularly happy for with the Southgate's in. So you know, England's a good, good great job from pot A for us, really, hundred uh, percent. And then we've got Slovakia and Slovenia. You know, we literally we do have a chance here. Yeah, we had before this campaign, we hadn't played England a competitive game since the qualifiers for Euro two thousand, which I do remember. We lost at Hampden Park two 0 I think Skull scored a double in that game, and then we went to Wembley and we won at Wembley one 0 Don Hutchinson. So like. I know, you know, we one nil wasn't enough of an aggregate, but it was still a great, you know, still a great victory, uh, you know, a famous victory. So I, in terms of England Scottish rivalry rivalry, we hadn't seen it. You know, we hadn't seen it. This was that was eighteen years before and this was just this was just totally new. So yeah, the Scottish English rivalry, it was kind of like a yeah, a build up of like never playing each other really. We had played each other in like not in a couple of friendly games, no very well. And I remember speaking to some English England fans before the game and just kinda of like, you know, a bit of banter or whatever. Um, you know, it was a good atmosphere before, but again, we weren't expecting much and we'd, we'd, we'd not started the campaign well. So it wasn't like, you know, we were top or anything, but we definitely had a chance. You know, we were still well within a chance. You know, we got a win here and then some results after this. So I think uh, the first half, 
I don't think much is happening really. I mean, England probably on top, but I don't think you know not not too much is happening. I mean, if, again, this Scotland team is after the after the McFadden two thousand eight, we really weren't good again. You know, we really just didn't have any hope. Like it was just we went through the kind of Craig Burley era was terrible. Then we had you know Craig Levine with the famous four six zero formation. <laughs> you know, everyone was just just hate in life for, as a Scotland fan. Got striking in and didn't start well. We were getting beat by Wales and just like over and over again. And it was just really bad times. We got a bit of a momentum at the end of the previous campaign with wins against, uh, I think it was, I think we won, beat Croatia home and away under Strachan actually. But, you know, bad start to this campaign. There was no real good feeling. So it was just, you know, there was no real expect- expectation for this game. So yeah, 1 0, Oxley Chamberlain scores, and it's kind of just like that's that. You know, we're still going to get. We're still going to get drunk. It's still going to be good. Yeah, we get a free kick. Again, it's a it's a Craig Gordon long ball, <laughs> like 10 years later after the one from McFadden. Um, and then I think it's, I think, I can't remember who fouls. I think uh, Smalling's the second one. Well, I can't remember. Or Cahill, I can't remember. But anyway, we get a free kick. And it's... Donkey's the centre-back for England either way. I mean, you know. Yeah, it was. It wasn't, yeah. To be fair, England were playing Jake Livermore in this game as well. So they were maybe taking, taking Scotland fairly. I know, I was shocked to see him as well. They were they were taking Scotland fairly um, fairly easy, but we we didn't have a great team. We were I get some of our younger guys were coming through, so Robertson was playing and McGinn was playing, so they were com- they were coming through, but they weren't anywhere near their kind of best at that point. So Griffiths was our striker, and we hadn't had a striker score for ages. Griffiths had never scored for Scotland before, and Griffiths is a you know lifelong born Hibs fan, um, played for Hibs in not a very good era for Hibs, but he was always brilliant, scored so many good goals against Hearts, Celtic, you know. Uh, kind of Hibs hero, really. Um, and so that was obviously part of it. He was at Celtic at this point. Um, so that's that Celtic-Hibs link again. A lot of players do make that move. But yeah, the first free kick. And it's just pandemonium. Scores absolute pandemonium. And this is only one all. This is just like, you know, pints up in the air. And this was before England started doing it when they went 6-0 up against Panama, I'll have you know. This is like real, this is real life, like pints up in the air without really not without really doing it for sure. This is just pandemonium, just because we've fucking done it. Get up, then. We've got a draw. We'll take that. You know, one all. Lee Griffiths, a free kick as well. It's like really, it's kind of just makes it more exciting. It was a really good goal. Looking back, I get it for both. Wow, this one particular, Joe Hart. I don't think he was in a great moment at that point. I think that no. the decline had started for Joe Hart and he definitely, positioning was definitely iffy and at least definitely the first one, maybe the second one as well. And this is one all absolute chaos, brilliant. And you know we're singing, you know Lee Lee Super Lee, just really happy with life, ready to go on and have a nice, a nice night, a nice drink with a, with a draw against England. And then you know without really, without really noticing it, we've got another free kick because you know we're still pretty much celebrating. Oh, we've got another free kick, and we're all like, ah, oh, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? And we're like Lee Lee Super Lee, and just it's just the most ridiculous thing that I've ever like. It just it. Never in a million years do you think that's actually going to happen. That actually, he's going to do that again and score again. And it's going to go 2-1, like two injury time goals. Free kicks, goes the opposite way, the opposite corner. Oh, man. It, and we didn't have any beer left to, 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 to chuck. It was just like complete disbelief like that this is actually happening. Like, you know, that relief from Makeda, it's a completely different feeling. It's just, ah, oh, it's, it's just incredible. Incredible, incredible, incredible. And then, the, yeah, well, I was going <laughs> the euphoria is yeah. very justified and makes a lot of sense. And yeah. 
the video that you sent me of of you guys celebrating that is, is, is incredible. And obviously, you I mean, you see these, and like you said, you know, the, the England fans throwing the beer and this, that, and the other. But when you're not expecting a goal and when you are the underdog, that 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 feeling is is unlike anything else. And then the sting in the tail is the Harry Kane equaliser. So yeah. the spoiler alert, you know, this this game finishes 2-2 because in the 93rd oh, minute, God, somehow Raheem Sterling <laughs> digs out across to the back post and Harry Kane... No, no, uh, we're going back. But we're going before the Raheem Sterling getting the ball. <laughs> okay, go on. I'm sorry, Stuart Armstrong. I really, really am sorry. You know, my brother-in-law does know I'm like... I, I think he's a nice guy. He's actually a well-spoken guy, Stuart Armstrong. I think, yeah, he seems cool. He's actually doing well. He's done well for Southampton in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. Pass the ball left. <laughs> I, 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 my mate Chrissy always talks about Stuart, this this moment, Stuart Armstrong. The, we're on the break. It's I think it's past the allotted time. It's, But it's probably fair enough that it's a bit more time added with the goal or whatever. I, it's, I, I don't know who's got who the left and right players are. I think it might be Robertson on the left. Someone on the right. The, the guy on the right, there is someone covering. The guy on the left, there's no one covering. I'm sorry, but sure, Armstrong plays that ball left. The game, it, we're up in the corner and the game's over. Like, 100% it's over. So he decides to play it right. And whoever it is kind of half cuts it out and England get the ball back and Sterling gets the ball and plays it over the head of, can't remember who it was, that people blame as well. And Kane does that kind of Kane-ish finish where he's like side-footing kind of side foot volley into the near corner and it just is like it's just stunning it's just like we were just stunned it was just the most ridiculous entire game man it was just you know to to equalize get the winner and then see an equalize yeah i've just i've just pulled it up now so Stuart armstrong tries to play it right (laughs) to lee griffiths and it's cut out by number two is that kyle walker Walker, Walker playing the pace as well, you know, great person, yeah. you know, past the Greek Griffiths covered by the fast style. Sterling just pops it right into the, the the box to the back post, and I don't know, could Craig Gordon come and claim it? Maybe. Yeah, there, there, there's a bit of that, but I think people say that the centre back, I can't remember who it is, that could, could have done better, or isn't positioned well enough. So maybe yeah, a bit about Gordon. Number but... five just lets it go over his head, and Kane's I right there to been. finish it. But oh man, the short Armstrong just passed the ball left, pal. Seriously. <laughs> It's it's a killer blow for Scotland, and this is not not one that I am I'm celebrating in any way. It's it's the juxtaposition of of being a football fan, isn't it? It's the highest of highs yeah. and the lowest of lows. And yeah. if someone had offered you a po- a point before the game, well, you'd probably thing. take it. But then you you've got three with thirty seconds left. I mean, well, so would we have? So so thinking back, would I have been happier if it just stayed, stayed one all with that free kick from Griffiths? One all, yeah, you probably would have, but. Yeah. I don't think I would take it back for that mo- that moment of getting that second because the sec you know the first was amazing the second was just unbelievable oh, it's heartbreaking it really is and again it didn't you know our team wasn't amazing at that point we, we probably we were pro- I think if we had got that drop got the win we would have got a playoff in the end and probably would have lost you know we weren't as I say we weren't great uh, at that point but I kind of joked about the kind of nil nil victory against England certainly good times are coming, I think. Like, you know, there is definitely a, a turn in Scotland's calibre of player, really. You know, Clark has done done really well. He's probably not the most progressive manager that we'll want eventually because we have got technically really good players with, like, you know, as I say, Robertson Tierney, McGinn, you've got McTominay, you've got, um, you know, Pat- Nathan Patterson's playing well for Everton, you've got um, Stuart Armstrong, who I mentioned, Che Adams up front, yeah. you've got uh, Billy Gilmore, who we all absolutely love if he can start playing for Brighton. 
a couple of kind of set, could do with maybe a couple of centre backs. Although McKenna's playing for uh, Forest at the moment, and McTominay fits in there sometimes. Uh, so yeah, like we have, it's a it is a good time right now. We're do, we are doing a lot better, Scotland. So I'm hoping if I did this and do this in five years' time, there'll be a I guess I think there'll be a Scotland and either Euro to a European Championship or Scotland real goal, not a fucking qualifier. Two qual, can you believe it? Two goals in the qualifiers is really embarrassing, really, isn't it? But well, it's just how it goes. <laughs> Okay, goal number five. And believe me when I tell you, we have saved the best till last. And this is definitely the main event of the evening. I'm not going to say too much here because Liam has to tell the story of the game, the story of the season, and really the story of his club in order to accurately explain why this goal, I think, was definitely the first one on your list and probably always will be. Yeah. So... I will just preface this by saying it's the 2016 Scottish Cup final at Hampden Park in Glasgow, 21st of May, 2016. And it's Hibs against Rangers. Liam, I'm going to let you take it away because I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything. I want you to tell your story as a Hibs fan and why the winning goal means as much to you as it does. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, it's this could take a while. Uh, yeah, as you say, we, it's not just the game. It's not just the season. It's the history. It's the history of Hibs, of Hibernian Football Club. I just, it's just, it's really difficult to know to know where to start here. I think we should, you know, we should start like I've said said previously that Hibs are probably the fourth, fifth, sixth biggest club in Scotland, right? So after Celtic and Rangers, Aberdeen, Hearts, and Hibs have all won four league titles, and that's that's ridiculous. That's the third yeah. most. But Celtic and Rangers are on fifty or whatever. So, but you know, Aberdeen do top us with their you know European success, and Hearts I think do top us. I mean, they've won a lot more Scottish cups and stuff. So I think we're probably fifth. But so mm. think about that, right? Everyone listening, think about the fifth biggest team in in your country. So I guess in in, in England, I kind of say like so, like like an Everton, but you know, Everton had success in the eighties and. Maybe a Newcastle, but I guess Newcastle are probably lower down, but kind of that thing, right? So so imagine you're a Newcastle fan and imagine you hadn't won the main the FA Cup since nineteen oh two. So the start of the twentieth century, nineteen oh two. We did actually win in nineteen oh one as well. So you know, we were oh, in a fucking roll at that point, two in a row. <laughs> yeah, but we nineteen oh two was the, was the last time Hibs won the Scottish Cup. And that plagued my school life my childhood and I guess everyone every Hibs fan before me every living Hibs fan pretty much I think that we found I think for this final there was one that they could find that were born but even that them can't have been 114 maybe yeah. not um it was yeah so 114 years we hadn't we hadn't won a Scott the Scottish Cup and yet we're like a, a big team the history of Hibs in cups is certainly interesting. You know, we're never going to win the league, and we're not expecting to. And we've had good seasons under 
as I said before, McLeish, we finished third one season uh, under and got to Europe. And under Tony Mowbray, we had a really, really great team in the mid-2000s that finished third and was great. Under Lennon fairly recently, Neil Lennon, we actually ended up finishing fourth, I think, but we were close second, third, fourth. We're all really close. So we've had great seasons where, you know, we're pushing, not really pushing Celtic and Rangers, really. We pushed Rangers that one season. But, you know, we've got good football. The thing with Hibs is, that, that people do say is it's entertaining football and it is attacking entertaining football in, in in general. But yeah, the history of the cup finals and cup semi-final defeats in my lifetime. So in, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to take me, <laughs> take us through this. This may take a, a while. So 2000, so I started supporting Hibs. As, as I said, I think my first game was maybe 97, 98, but my first real season was 99, 2000. This was actually a season in the, or 98, 99. This was actually a season in, the first division, we actually had got relegated the season before. So at the end of that season, we get beat by Aberdeen in the semi-final. Can't really remember. I do kind of remember it because I remember the final was Aberdeen Rangers and Jim Layton got injured for Aberdeen. And at that point, it was only three subs in the Scottish Cup and they didn't have a goalkeeper on the bench. So Jim Layton's injured <laughs> after like 10 minutes for Aberdeen and Rangers just going and, and destroy them. So we lost the semi-final in 2000. In 2001, it was my first trip to Hamden. Celtic, great day out. Lost 3-0. Larson scored two goals. I was sitting in row B or 2, whatever B it would have been. I like, couldn't see anything, but it was amazing. You know, it was it was brilliant brilliant to go to Hamden. Lost 3-0 and just got to see Henry Larson score two goals. You know, fine. Uh, season after, semi-final League Cup, Hamden. Tuesday night, freezing cold. Like, fair play to my dad. Like, I have to big shout out to Robert Drysdale, my dad, like your uncle. Like, as I said, it wasn't a, it wasn't a football supporting um, immediate family before... I really got into it and he must have had 10 seasons season tickets with him taking us to the games me and my sisters going to you know games like this we didn't do this many times you know the midweek games but we certainly went to Hamden to watch us get fucking beat by Air United on a Tuesday night uh, <laughs> that was horrendous uh, so yeah a big massive shout out to my dad and took me down to you know to see some United games as well which was great um, so beat up Air United, at least a, a league below us, maybe two leagues in 2002, 2004, we get to a final again and it's a League Cup and this time it's Livingston we're playing. <laughs> so we're obviously going to win it. <laughs> uh, lost that one 2-0, horrendous. You know, Livingston are just this, you know, really small team. That sliv- a, you know, they're taking up about like one little sliver of the stadium like, and just all in their yellow fucking horrendous we yeah, so the the semi-final was really good then but I, I didn't go because i think we were a bit it was a bit traumatic for the air united game it was a, we we played rangers and actually this was this was the start of scott brown kevin thompson stephen whitaker gary o'connor Derek ride and like hibs fat like a lot of them hibs fans grew up in edinburgh and a lot of them had really good careers and they were all like hibs young guys and we beat rangers on penalties uh frank de boer missed the missed the the deciding penalty so that was a really good game but I wasn't actually there at Hamden got to final lose to Livingston horrendous season after semi-final Dundee United again a team that we should be beating they were not good at this point they were terrible beat 2-1 horrendous 2006 semi-final Scottish Cup these are all Hamden by the way and I'm at all these other ones we've got Hearts semi-final Scottish Cup 2006 this just happens to be so Hearts the biggest rivals you know Hatreds got some fans some um friends that are Hearts fans, you know, that you lose to Hearts, you won't hear the end of it for months. Same, you know, same the other way around. They beat us more than we'd beat them. We'd had some great victories against them, but 
they do seem to have their number against us. And this season, this was Hearts literally challenging for the title for half the year. This was when they were really pumping money, illegally uh, pumping money into their team that they would eventually get, you know, punished for and and relegated a season. Um, So we play Hearts in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup and it's a really good Hearts team and we get beat 4-0. And it's just... It's sickening, like absolutely sickening. Paul Hartley, ex-Hibs player, scores a hat-trick. Oh, puts up the three. The fans are just oh, horrible. It's like, it's that moment when you're, you're uh, you know that split second after the ball hits the net where you don't hear anything and then you hear the away fans? Yeah. That is something that really, like, especially when we're playing hearts, it's something that really sticks out to me. And it's almost like they're not, they're not cheering goals. They're jeering. It's like, it's like it's hatred. It's pure hatred. It's not like they're enjoying themselves. They're just oh, get that. You know, you can see their smug faces, even though you can't see them. They're over there. They're just, it's just, it's like they're just jeering. They're not. They're not. They're not having fun. They're just like ah, oh, they're evil. They really are evil. <laughs> like I'm not. Like I'm not. I'm not lying. They they are. So yeah, four 0 hearts. So bad, right? Two thousand seven. Finally, we get to a final and we win it. It was really good. League Cup final. Kilmarnock, no goals make it from this game because it was a 5-1 victory. It was kind of comfortable, uh, but it was still a great day. Okay, it was the League Cup. It wasn't the FA Cup, so it's, you know, same in England. It's, it doesn't matter quite as much, but it was it was a really great day. We'd got the monk off the back. First time I'd seen us win at Hamden. And, you know, okay, we had that bit of silver. It was our first um, League Cup win in 16 years, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the one. It wasn't the Scottish Cup. A few years no kind of semis, no finals. Uh, I think it was nine Dunfermline semi-final Scottish Cup, Scottish Cup went to the first leg, drew nil-nil, and there was replays at this point. A nil-nil against Dunfermline. Oh, horrendous. Replay didn't go, actually, luckily. Lost one nil. Oh, Sol, Sol Bamba, actually. That's a name from... He played in the Premier League. So, lost to Dunfermline. You know, oh, my... So... Um, that was actually that was that same season. Actually, that was that same season. Then it was a few years before we got anywhere, and then we got to the final of. This is actually making me feel a little bit sick. We got to the final of the Scottish Cup in 2012, and it was we we won the semi final against Aberdeen, and actually didn't go to that one. Obviously, I didn't go because it was we fucking won a game at Hamden. It was Hearts again in 2012, and this isn't the same. This isn't the same Hearts 2006. This isn't. Amazing, well, not amazing hearts. Hearts that like challenge of a t- title. This is the hearts that are better than us, to be fair. We weren't in a great moment at this time, so we did well to get to the final. The Scottish Cup, it was 110 years since we'd been, since we'd won the tournament. You know, it, again, it's the, it's just everything for a Hibs fan, absolutely everything. And uh, Hearts had won in 2006. They When they won that semi final, they won that, they won it that year. They won in 99 or 98, I think, as well. So they'd had a lot better uh, history than us. And we lost, we lost the final 5 1. Just gonna take a <laughs> so again. Think about the Newcastle. Think about the Newcastle thing. So say say you're a Newcastle fan and you hadn't won the, the FA Cup for 110 years, and you played Sunderland in the final and lost five one, having been beat of them four nil in a semi final six years earlier, having lost all these other finals and semi finals. I mean, that's bad because again, it's not. It's a it's a rivalry that doesn't have a real standout superior team. It really isn't. And I mean, even Newcastle Sunderland maybe isn't that good because Newcastle are, you know, historically, quite, I'd say, quite a bit bigger than Sunderland. Maybe not, I don't know. But it's not Liverpool Everton. It's not even, you know, Man United, Man City in the past or whatever. It's just a real kind of, you know, hearts a bit better. But so 5 1, it was just the end of the world, really. 
I mean, it would have been the end of the world if I was a bit younger. I was 20, 21, but it was just, oh, it was awful. Let's just go, but let's just get past it. Semi-final the next season, play Falkirk. You know, it's semi-final Scottish Cup. Let's get back there. Two minutes, Falkirk 1-0. Ten minutes later, I think, Falkirk 2-0. Falkirk were 3-0 up at halftime. They're in the league below us here. And they're 3-0 up at Hamden eight months after we'd been beat 5-1 of Hearts. Now, I'm not half, I'm not proud of myself. I'm blaming all my mates. There was about 20 of us there. We were pretty drunk and they all wanted to leave and we left. Wow. Yeah. Bit, of a, bit of a bombshell, okay? <laughs> but come on, like you'd 3-0 to Falkirk. We'd just been beat 5 of Hearts. Anyway, we do come back and win that game 4-3, obviously, because I left. Uh, Griffiths scored two. Um, so ridiculous obviously we did watch it at a pub we had a great time to be honest we were drinking you know i wouldn't recommend it but yeah fine we did win that in the final i actually missed this because of a stag too but it was against celtic but two finals in a row scotch got finals obviously lost that three now semi-finals 2015 this, don't worry there's still more to come 2015 semi-final falkirk again team in the, in the league below us lost one nil 2016, we're going to come on to the 2016 Scottish Cup, but 2016 League Cup, we were in the final. And we were, this was before it. And we were playing Ross County. Ross County we were playing. And it was a, I think it was a 90th minute own goal that we scored to give them the win, 2-1. So we lost in the 90th minute, scoring an own goal that time. We're going to skip over the Scottish Cup 2016 final just quickly, because since the Scottish Cup 2015, we lost in the semi-final in 2017 to Aberdeen at Hamden. I'm all, at all these games where they, the League Cup semi-final to Celtic in 2020, the Scottish Cup semi-final to Hearts in 2020, behind closed doors because of COVID, thank fuck, but it's fucking Hearts again. <laughs> semi-final of the League Cup, St. Johnston, final of the Scottish Cup at COVID again, 2021, lost in that, so another Scottish Cup defeat. 2021, League Cup final, lost to Celtic just um, 12 months ago, and then earlier this year, we played Hearts in the Scottish Cup in the semi-final again, and we lost again, the fourth time we lost to Hearts at Hamden when I've been there, and Zero victories. That is the history. So, <laughs> hi, Calm. Yeah, there you go. There, so that was 12, 12 semi-final defeats at Hamden and seven final defeats at Hamden. Across how many years? Uh, Twenty years. Yeah. So you're basically so averaging a semi-final or a final defeat every year, every season basically. at Hamden. Yeah. And actually, all those semi-finals, a few of those semi-final, the ones that we did win. We're at Tynecastle, actually. The League Cup semi-finals sometimes are at Tynecastle. And the other ones that we did when I wasn't fucking there or left at fucking <laughs> half-time. Falkirk. Oh. Right, I'll let you so, breathe. I'll come I, on to the yeah, so, right. no, so I think it's fair to say that we've demonstrated here a pattern of behaviour, <laughs> shall we say, that is unhealthy from Hibernian and their players. So, yeah. in general, Hibs have been very unsuccessful, both pre yeah. this moment and post this moment. Yeah, so, yeah. There is perhaps an argument that this might be the only one ever, <laughs> just based on the, yeah, exactly, uh, the yeah. law of averages, unfortunately. Yeah. So that should then explain to everybody else listening just why David Gray in the 2016 Scottish Cup final means as much as it does. Absolutely. I know you were there that day. I was there that day. Which is an outlier, and we'll get on to exactly <laughs> why I know that. But in this game... It's a double for Anthony Stokes uh, for Hibbs, who gives Hibbs the lead after just three minutes. And you can you can talk me through your your memories yeah. of the whole game. Uh, Kenny Miller, who a great Scottish goal scorer, uh, equalised for Rangers after 27 minutes, and then Andy Halliday gave Rangers a two-one lead after 64, which 
to some may have looked like another classic hips defeat in a final at Hamden, but not to be. Anthony Stokes scores his second after 80 minutes with 10 minutes to go. And then in the 92nd minute, a corner is swung in from the right uh, by Henderson, Liam Henderson, great name. Liam Henderson swings in the corner and David Gray gets his head on it. Pandemonium isn't a big enough word to describe it, but Liam, take me through your day at Hamden in 2016. Okay, right. Need to try and do this justice. I mean, there's a bit of there's a bit of a build up that season. We were actually in the championship this season. Um, we had been relegated a couple of seasons before, and Rangers were also in the championship this season, having been relegated and coming up come up two divisions. We'd actually been the champ. Both teams had been in the championships for two years because Hearts were in the championship the year before, having been relegated for financial problems as well, and were the team that actually went up. So the Hibs and Rangers rivalry has been there forever, but it was bubbling it was it was you know we were playing each other over and over again in the championship um we got some really good victories against them we what we won at um ibox a couple of times but they they beat us quite a bit as well and you know the rivalry was ramping up completely there is a game on the road to the final that i probably need to touch on as well last 16 we were drew against hearts at Tynecastle. so unfortunately you know it was an away game and we were 2-0 down. And as the song goes, 2-0 down at Tiny, it's happening again. Another year of sorrow. When will this torture ever end? That's the first four lines of the song, but we'll come on to the next four <laughs> lines after. Um, unbelievably. like So it's, again, it's the same It's the same old story. It's the same old story. We're 2-0 down to hearts. This is four years after they beat us 5-1. This is 10 years after they beat us 4-0. You know, this is just typical and we're 2 down and we're going to get knocked out of the Scottish Cup again. We end up coming back in that game. Paul Hanlon scores a late equaliser to make it 2-2 two, two all. Pandemonium in that small section of the Hibs fans at Tynecastle to get us to a replay that we end up winning. So that was a big moment. A big, like, okay, this may be, this may be a bit different this year. This may be a bit different. The semi-final, Dundee United, we don't have a goalkeeper in the whole squad in the lead up to this game. I can't even remember what happened. Some in two injuries or something, and we're just we're like, we don't have a goalie. We sign the polar bear, as his nickname is, Conrad Logan, who I think had been a bit of a journeyman in the lower leagues in England. This honestly massive guy, like he does not look like a professional athlete. He starts this game. He's got bleach blonde, like white hair, hence the polar bear, and the size is similar. Is another reason why we call him the polar bear. He has this unbelievable game against Dundee United. Again, we should be beating, you know, we should be holding our own against Dundee United but they were had so many chances. We did get a penalty that uh, Jason Cummins, our striker, took. He decided in this moment in Hamden semi-final to do a Penenka that went over the bar. So we'll just let, just let that one settle a little bit. So remember, you know, all our, all our defeats, all our fucking horrendous, all the ones I went through, we were he, we we were going to take the lead in this semi-final and, and Jason Cummins hit Penenka over the bar. Okay. So we end up getting to penalty shootout. And to be fair to Jason Cummins, he scored the winning penalty in the penalty shootout. So that took some... But he is like... He has got balls of steel. Like, this guy just doesn't care at all. Like, he scored against Liverpool a couple of years ago for Shrewsbury in the FA Cup. Like, he is yeah. just a bit of a maverick. So we get to the Scottish Cup final and it's against Rangers. Rangers were playing Celtic the next uh, after the next game, so it was going to be Rangers or Celtic. And I guess you kind of want Rangers because they're easier. You kind of want Celtic because it's a bit less pressure, a bit less that horrible feeling that we get beat by Rangers in the final. But Rangers do actually get to the final despite being in the championship. So it's the first time ever the two teams in the final were actually in the second division. But it, you know they weren't. 
you know, the Hibs and Rangers were still two of the best teams really in the country. So the day, as with most of the kind of post 17 year old trips to Hamden, it's me and my mates in a bus or a train, normally a coach of like 50 Hibs fans with drinking in bottles that don't advertise that they're drink sneaking in. I mean, I don't think, to be fair, most of the, tri- the, the, the most of the drivers don't really care, but it's just, it's songs all the way. You know, we know what's going to happen. We know we're going to lose, it's all that, but it's just having the, you know, making the best of it and having a great time. The trips to Hamden, you know, I've just gone through all those defeats and they were all, they're all still amazing days because we, you know, even the 5-1, we were out that night at the pub watching Chelsea beat Bayern Munich drug, uh, in the Champions League final, Drogba, the Drogba final, yeah. So we were still, you know, we still, we can get over it. So the game, so we get to, you know, get to the game and it's just, again, it's the kind of, you know, it's the 2-0 down at Hearts, the coming back, it's the Penenko missing, winning on penalty, penalties. We actually got taken to a replay in another of the games. There was just a bit of a, a difference and for, for Stokes to score in the second minute, that was like a real, like, that doesn't happen. Like, that is a real, like, pressure off. Mo- but it's more, do you know what it is, actually? It's actually a fucking hell, we've had something to celebrate. We're not going to, you know, we, we know we're not going to win this game. But isn't that great? We've had that moment. You know, 5-1 was 2-0 was hearts. We got one back. So we had a bit of a moment there. But there was never any time in it. The Celtic 3-0 in 2001, never in it. Livingston was 2-0 in that final. Um, the Ross County final, three months before, we, we'd equalise and then, lo- oh, God. So we hadn't even had, I don't think we'd been leading in any of those finals that I'd been to previously and probably none of the semi-finals I'd been to either. So just to score that in the second minute and I remember the flare of the heart, the Rangers fans had put a flare like off the pitch and it was just like fucking get it up. Yeah, and Stokes is at this point ex-Celtic uh, player as well and big Celtic man and very hated within the Rangers fans as well. So that was that was great. And, you know, looking back at the goal, I think they could have done a lot better defensively. I just think it was just such a shock really. Came down the side and Put it in the kind of bottom right hand corner. Just, just a really odd start to a game that just you just we just didn't expect. But we keep going, and the fans are going. For, our fans are are going for it, pissing us on. Had a chance just after that. Rangers do start coming back into. It. They do start coming back into. It. Um, they, you know, they have they have a couple of they have a couple of chances. And I actually thought that they hit the bar before they scored, but I don't think it was. I think so. Kenny, so I think Tavernier puts a great ball, and Kenny Miller is a brilliant bullet header. Another ex Hibs guy. Uh, it was at Hibs right at the start of his career. Um, but, you know, he had a really good he- career. He played for Celtic and Rangers, to be fair. Um, so he scores a really good header, and you're kind of like, mm, you're like, I guess it's happening again. But, you know, we're doing all right. It's only a draw, so it's okay. Then Stokes takes another, gets another chance, like outside the box. Great strike in, inside of the post. This he, he was a man possessed. Like, it was everything. He he didn't live up to his hype from when he was a young, young player. Like, he went, I think, after... Being at Hibs at the start of his career, he went to Sunderland for in a big move. I think it was a Keane signing, Roy Keane signing, and it just didn't quite happen. I think off the field stuff. Like he was really talented and scored loads of goals when he was young. Um, it, he was a man possessed in this game. So yeah, he hits the inside of the post. But then to be fair to them, Key, uh, Kenny Miller hits the bar with a header. So it's kind of nip and tuck. And half time, you're like one all. You're like, okay, it's fine. You know, we were dominating. We probably should have took advantage of that, but it was fine. Second half, as far as I remember, it was kind of nothing in it. Maybe Rangers a bit more on top. And then, as you say, 65th minute, Andy Halliday. Andy Halliday, he plays for Hearts now again. He's not one of the favourite of the Hibs faithful. Scores a long range, really good strike. And it's just like, you know, it's typical. It's happening. It is happening again. You know, it's we're, we're just not going to win it. And at that point, it was like, fuck, I really did think this time. You know, after everything, really did think that two minute, second minute goal, it never happens like that. Like, this is... 
we thought it was different this time. And, you know, obviously we're thinking it's not. 80th minute, get a corner. I think we were challenged, we were kind of pressing a bit. And we were, again, we were still doing well. Um, so Liam Henson, a halftime substitute. Great hair, has got great delivery. Really young guy again. We had a, we had a young team. John McGinn is in this team. Um, some other kind of youngsters. Jason Cummins is one of them as well. So Liam Henderson crosses it in and fucking Stokes bullies James Tavernier and heads it into the the top corner, really. And that was 2-all. And it was Stokes again. It was like 80th minute. And we're like, fucking, like, right. We can't, like, maybe we can do this. Like, we're like, fine, extra time, penalties. You know, we'll take penalties now, 100%. <laughs> Um, so we're you know we're going absolutely we are going crazy but I guess it's like a final and we're like you know we know what's going to happen we know it's not going to happen like of course it's not going to happen and you know it's just a blur I remember standing in the so no one's standing in their seat everyone's just because it's so tense you know we have we are pressing like Stokes has a chance Stokes kind of gets down the left hand side for going in for his hat trick kind of fires the ball across the uh, the goalkeeper saves and out for a corner to Hibbs and this is 92nd minute you know we're all like losing our shit really we're like what like surely not like this just cannot cannot happen like standing in the middle of the kind of um on the steps just everyone just kind of everywhere because people had already kind of ran down to the front when we got the equalizer like some people just everyone was everywhere and you know Henderson delivered again and the, the famous line Henderson to deliver and it, which I guess we've just been played before this. Henderson crossed it again, and Captain. It was a while Captain back now, David so you can you can refresh the memory of the of the commentary. <laughs> It'll be yeah. a while. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, fuck. I've been speaking for about that. Yeah, it's David Gray heading it past you know past West Fodderingham, going over to the fans. I I was trampled. You know, I fell forwards. Me and my mate fell forwards. Trampled on. Didn't care. Got up. Ran right down at the front. Chaos. Like just. And I guess, I guess, what would it be like now with Varley? What would that be like? Yeah. You know, would you have that split second? I don't know if you would, but it was just incredible. Everyone is just everywhere. Like, is this happening? 114 years since we won the Scottish Cup. All the final defeats, all the semi-final defeats, the 5-1, everything. 90th minute, captain David Gray headed it past Potteringham and just uh, pandemonium. I think it's interesting what you say about, you know, the potential of VAR playing a role in yeah. this. The only thing I can say is that, you know, watching the goal back, there isn't really any reason that they would need there to isn't. check it. But you never know, obviously. But they wouldn't. But I, you know, you know yeah. like, they would have. And the thing is, there isn't. But you still have in that, I, I guess I don't yeah. I've not had the feeling since, but you still probably would have in that mind, how much can I really celebrate here? Because I don't want to look a fool if it gets chalked off. You know, you never know if there's a push. You can't, I can't really see the game. You know, you can, but you, you know, you don't, you can't see anything that's happened in the box. But you know, for at that point, it was ninety second minute. But you know, you, Hibs fans are probably still thinking, "Fuck, like what?" Like, but the next thirty seconds, a minute was just plain sailing. There was no chance. It was absolutely fine. And I distinctly remember not hearing the whistle, but just seeing Liam Henderson sprint in one direction, and it was that, it was that time, that time delay, the, the sound, the whistle had coming after that, and it was just unbelievable. And I, by, by this point, I was, which I guess you were going to come to, I was at the front of the the concourse kind of in front of this stand because we you know gone right down after the goal just just honestly couldn't think of any just well, I have no idea what was going on fans are running onto the pitch and I, I think I do think I had this split second like huh I've never done this before should I and then it was like 100% like straight over the barrier like you know no one's trying to stop you I do remember kind of running past the Rangers player like Rangers fan like uh, player Never really, just no idea what's going on. No, no aims. No trying to see anyone. Like just 
just kind of just running and being like, I cannot believe this is happening. And then actually did bump into the player, uh, Darren McGregor, who was getting a picture with someone else. And he is actually one player I do kind of half know. I, I did know at that point. He's, again, my brother-in-law's fr- uh, friend from school and stuff. And I had been on his stag do with him. So I actually get a selfie with Darren McGregor, you know, Hibs legend. And I think what you'll come on to is I did tweet a picture later on that you like very much <laughs> yeah. uh, with the caption uh, mum I swear I never went on the pitch with me with my arm around uh, you know the hips defender Darren McGregor clearly on the pitch it's one of Just my favourite pictures of all time crazy. because I know how much yeah. it meant to you in that day and you yeah. know again it's one of these things that you know I, I can't sit here and say I've ever been a a diehard hips fan but I've definitely been a surrogate yeah. hips fan based on you know the, yeah. the, the love that you and your your sisters and your whole family, you know, have for that club. And so whenever yeah. there's been an opportunity to cheer for Hibs, you know, if anyone ever asked me, you have a Scottish team, Hibs, 100%, you know, there's, yeah, no, there's yeah. no doubt in my mind about that. I guess, you know, there was periods when the aforementioned uh, Mr. Swanson was playing for other clubs that maybe we, we yes. had a soft spot for them as well. But um, yeah. no, yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the, the picture of you with your arm around McGregor on the pitch is, I, I, I can't, imagine having a moment like that i think i think the only you know nah. kind of is full circle in a way that you know if you'd got onto the pitch of the new camp in 99 and had a picture of you with your arm around Solskjaer, but i i can't think of i can't think even, of ways you can do that like even that even yeah, that wouldn't it's like it's not the first time that united want you know i guess it'd been a while it'd be 30 years yeah. or whatever and but you know united a successful team and just i can't really think of anything i can't think of any situation other than like I guess England win the World Cup. No, but they've done that. Like, Scotland win the World Cup, right? But that's just... It, it was just unbelievable. And there was, actually, you know, I should mention, Rangers fans also ran on the pitch that day. And... Which doesn't normally happen. They're the winning team. Never... It, to be fair, the winning team's never really run on the pitch at, at Scott, in the hand at Scotch Cup. This was a one-off. So it wasn't like, you know, people were a bit a bit outraged by that. But it kind of out, more, mainly outraged the fact that Rangers fans ran on the pitch as well and started... There were some fights on the pitch between the two sets of fans. I actually didn't see a single Rangers fan the whole time. I, you know, I just wasn't over that side. Uh, so it did sound like a slight. It didn't sound like a fucking tall. I remember Piers Morgan <laughs> tweeting, Piers fucking Morgan tweeting, all oh, stupid fans and all that stuff. That must sound it. Does it? Fuck my mate Johnny K. He won't thank me for saying this, but he uh, replied. Actually, I made him reply. He took a picture of him of on the floor grab uh, a selfie video sorry grabbing the grass and eating eating the grass and going fucking yes and uh, i was like we, we've seen that piers morgan tweet after the game i was like reply to piers morgan with that video and he did and it got it went it went viral you know it was lad bible all that stuff so but he as a teacher didn't really like that going, <laughs> going viral <laughs> uh, so uh, that was hilarious so you won't thank me for that as well but um no it was an amazing amazing moment and i've spoke about it for half an hour so probably should. <laughs> that is Probably my favorite story that we've had on the podcast so far. It's everything that I want this to be. And it is, you know, it's the story of why football means so much to football fans. And in this moment, I think, you know, we could ask any number of Hibs fans. And I think they would all have similar stories of jubilation and joy. Yeah. And it, I mean, just thank you for sharing it in that detail with us because it is something that is. Fantastic. And, you know, I, I'm glad that people who listen to this will now hear the story of what it's like to be a Hibs fan and what it's like to celebrate David Gray in the, in the 92nd minute. Yeah. And the last thing I'd say is you said thank you there. And that is a line from Proclaimer's song Sunshine on Leith that we sing after these big occasions. And I would very much encourage people to watch the 
to be you could do the 2007 one when we beat Kilmarnock as well, but Hibs singing Sunshine and Leith after the 3-2 victory against Rangers to end 114 years, I'm actually almost crying here, 114 years uh, without winning the Scottish Cup is just incredible. I was definitely crying at that point. And my last question on this is, you, you teased it earlier with the first four lines of a song about 2-0 down oh, yeah, at Tiny. Yeah, yeah. So give us yeah. give us the rest of it now that we know Yeah, so it's, um, we're 2-0 down at Tiny. It's happening again. Another year of sorrow. Will this torture ever end? But then up steps Paul Hanlon. A high be through and through. We had our day at Hamden and it's all because of you. Okay, we've made it through to the end of Liam's Desert Island Goals by way of a very quick recap. We obviously started with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Manchester United Champions League final 1999, James McFadden for Scotland against France in the Euro qualifier of 2007, Kiko Makeda, United against Villa 2009 in the Premier League, Lee Griffith's second free kick against England for Scotland, World Cup qualifier 2017, and the ever more famous David Gray header for Hibs against Rangers Scottish Cup final 2016. Liam? It's a great list. Fantastic. Really glad we've been able to do this. But we know that, obviously, honourable mentions are an important thing. Take me through the goals that just missed out on your list. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, there maybe wasn't that many that kind of just missed out, really. In terms of Hibs, we, did have, we didn't have that many kind of winners, late winners against Hearts. I mean, we, bid, we beat Hearts 6-2. Amazing, like an amazing game. I fucking wasn't there. We were on a holiday down in England. And we actually didn't, we actually saw that it was 2-1 Hibs at halftime. But we didn't even know the score that it was 6-2 Hibs until the aforementioned Al Monroe phoned us after the game. And Russell Latvia, an unbelievable player, scored a brilliant volley to make it 6-1, I think, in that game. Hearts got a consolation. So I think that might have been close if I'd been there, but I wasn't there. Gary O'Connor scored a very late winner, 1-0 against Hearts early 2000s. But it was the August. It was the start of the season. You know, it doesn't mean as much. Quickly, the United goals, you know, Keane v Juve. O'Shea, last-minute goal against Liverpool. A huge moment. Ending the kind of Arsenal 49 game unbeaten run, but the goals, you know, obviously it was a definite penalty. Um, <laughs> Owen v Man City, but it's fucking Michael Owen. Yeah. Uh, Robin van Persie v City, I mentioned before. I mentioned the Rooney volley against Newcastle, which I was there for. Amazing goal. Any other Scotland goals? Not really. Penalty shootout win against Serbia was amazing to get us to Euros. But McFadden against Holland, but we lost 6 0 in the second leg, so we'll forget about that. Non Hibs. Uh, United Scotland goals. I had Jamie Mackey for City to to put to put no not get against City to QPR, QPR yeah. two one. Yeah. I thought maybe we could go back and relive that two one and it just ends like that two one <laughs> instead of going at three two. Bale v Liverpool, a bit of uh, you know hatred of Liverpool overhead kick final, and I was actually at Three Sisters again with Liverpool fans getting it right up them. I thought about Brazil seven one just the kind of just maybe like fight the fifth goal or something when you're just like what the fuck is going on, and then I guess I better mention. My brother-in-law, because yeah, he he, I was I was about to say, as a footballer, he did recently retire. Was a footballer, um, you know, Danny Swanson. He played for Dundee United. He did play for Hibs. Um, he did kind of play for Hearts a little bit as well. But um, <laughs> he he was he didn't score loads of goals, but he scored fucking brilliant goals. As you know, YouTube highlights are are one to watch. Very good goals, and one of them I was at was at Celtic Park. And my sister Holly wasn't at that game, so she doesn't have that one to, to claim. But I was yeah, I was there at Celtic Park. St Johnson nil, Celtic nil at the time. 
cross in header out by I think his name is Virgil is it Virgil van Dijk I think headed it out to the edge of the box and uh, and then Danny had a kind of right-footed swervy kind of shot that kind of went into the top right and corner past I think it was Craig Gordon it was either Forster or Craig Gordon it was it was a very amazing goal but again it's St Johnson it's middle of the season doesn't mean quite as much sorry Danny I would say that he did win the Scottish Cup in 2010 in 2010 with Dundee United and he did have a run from his own half in the first half at nil nil playing it past the defender, running all the length of Hamden Park and fucking defender just slid in and, and blocked the blocked the shot that would have would have gone in. I mean, that would have been ridiculous, like him scoring in Hamden a Scottish Cup final to, to take the lead. Danny, if you'd kind of maybe just had a bit of composure and lifted it over the, the guy's leg and that might have got in there a few his goals. I just got, saw him score two goals actually against Hibs at Easter Road uh, that I guess I'm, I was kind of happy with. I kind At that point, when, when Danny's playing Hibs, I'm kind of like... It's tough, but those one of them is a left foot, a very sweet left foot strike. But I'm sure if you get my sister Holly on here, she'll have a few Danny Swanson goals. And I guess if you have my sister Amy on here, she might have one. I don't know, but she's probably like to have some similar ones to me if she can do them justice. I don't know. I definitely want to have both of them on at some point, and yeah. hopefully Danny, and Danny as, well. as well. I mean, you know, yeah, it takes it takes a special guy to be nicknamed Swan Aldinho and live up to it. So, it does. Um, it does. yeah, Danny Danny Swan Aldinho Swanson is, is is one of my favorite football nicknames of all time. Um, yeah. Liam, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been wonderful from start to finish. I'm so glad we managed to do it. Thank you for sharing your Desert Island goals with us. Thank you very much and sorry for speaking at 100 mile an hour and just not giving you a chance to speak. But this is just, these are stories that need to be told. <laughs> and this is the time capsule that's going to last forever. And that's what we Absolutely. wanted. That's what we wanted. Uh, guys, as ever, thanks for taking the time to listen. Uh, yeah, give us the five-star reviews and share with the people in your lives. And again, if you want to be a guest like Liam has been this week, please get in touch. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for taking the time. Cheers.